All right, everyone. Welcome back to Uncommon Ground. So we hope you've been enjoying our past few episodes. Um, we've been going into some deep stuff, and most of it has been strictly just about passages and certain things in the Bible. Today, we're going to change a few things up. Um, we're going to do some questions and some things that some people have brought up to us. Um, so before we get started, let's just introduce everyone. To my left is Pastor Sam McGregor of Allison Creek Presbyterian Church. I am Michael Wright. And over here is my wife, Janine Wright. Um, so basis is of this podcast, if you haven't seen it already, is we wanted to bring different viewpoints together and just talk about like tough topics in religion and things like that. So I am the non-believer. I don't, I don't believe in, in God. I don't believe in certain things that the Bible says. Um, and that's my viewpoint on things and I share it. Um, uh, Janine, she's very spiritual. She doesn't really follow a lot of um, church per se in the structured, guess, the structured fact yeah. of it. <laughs> and then Sam over here actually runs the Allison Creek Presbyterian Church. I do church. not run. He is no, the head, no. he is the head no. of, this, of this organization. Negatory the Negatory. The one that has everyone the answers for yeah. all your questions. <laughs> even what's on Taco Tuesday's menu. <laughs> so um but today so we're just going to change it up a little bit and so people we've been af- asking you guys to after you watch if you have questions or want to talk about something definitely let us know and we actually have had a few people watch and and want to know mm-hmm. different thoughts and so so i have not seen these beforehand so i'm a little nervous about this <laughs> well that's why that's how we get the honest responses <laughs> oh, from, okay so okay so like think about it we were talking about genesis we were starting from the beginning and I, I we're still kind of just still in the beginning everyone has seems to have a lot of questions based on everything having to do with adam and eve so one of the i want to make sure one of the questions that i got or one of the topics Someone actually said, and this is a person who actually follows the Bible. They consider themselves a Christian. They said they felt that God always knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin. Do you think that that's the case? Like they, it was, they didn't have the free will. It was written that they were already planned, that it was already planned that they were going to fail. Well, you raised two different things, in my opinion. You said, did that the person said that God knew that they would fail? Mm-hmm. And I would answer to that and say, yes, that, that I, and again, we can't pretend to know exactly what's in God's mind, mm-hmm. but um, would, in, in creating human beings, did, did God uh, have a pretty good idea of how human beings would react to situations? Mm-hmm. And I would say, yes much like a parent who really knows their children Mm -hmm. knows that different children are going to react in different ways to situations that they are presented. Uh, You know, I've got three children and I, I mean, they surprise me obviously sometimes, but sometimes I'm, yeah, like, yeah, I can see (laughs) that that's what you were going to do. So, so I would answer it that way, that, that, that God knew um, the ways that, that humans react to to situations that they would encounter. The second, you raised a different question mm-hmm. though, and that was, did God um, create in such a way or or make it such that humans would 
fall short in sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would say no to that. I would argue against that, that I would say that, that that was not God's plan, but that God expected it to happen. Yes, but not because God said you are going to fail. Now that can be challenged. I know because, you know, in our previous, in our previous podcast, we, um, looked at, um, the story of Pharaoh who God hardened his heart. And so, you know, the text says that, you know, God made him work against God's plan. So, but that's, that's where I come out on it. But, you know, I think you could argue differently on that one. Yeah. I, I would say I could argue against that just for the fact of God made the tree for them to not eat from. And that if God knew that they would sin at some point that he kind of forced their hand to put it in front of them. He, he kind of laid it up where they would fail. Yeah. <laughs> well, and because if he didn't want it, then why create that tree? So before you answer that or question, bush or whatever it was. Yeah. Before you answer that question about the tree, that was another, the tree of knowledge. That was another question that I actually had. And do you think that at some point God was going to let them eat from that tree, but they just were not ready for that? Do you think that's the purpose of it being there? I mean, again, I, I see the story as being played out all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't particularly see this as a historical story. Mm-hmm. I see this as a <clears throat> parabolic story, a parable, which which describes what happens over and over again in in the human condition. Mm-hmm. That that we um, that there are temptations out there that that do not lead us closer to God. And, and we choose, we choose those things because we think that that will give us what we're looking for when in fact, um, you know, I I mean, and, and in the story, the, you know, God, you know, lays out these two, lays out the, 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 the two trees and then the the serpent um doesn't actually lie the serpent actually tells the truth and says well you know what's going to happen is you're going to basically see things from from god's perspective and and so whereas before that they they had a a vision of of paradise or vision of of seeing things in a certain way that after they followed that path toward a, a sinful path, then they saw things that that they weren't prepared to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically it was sparking their curiosity that they didn't really, because if everything was already fine, but yeah, he didn't have to lie and say, oh, well, you know, it's going to make you do this or do that. It, it was exactly what it was. It was like, this is what's going to happen. But so it sparked their right. curiosity. Right. The serpent never lied to them. The serpent was, was, you know, said, this is, you know, what will happen if you do that. And it's a, you know, this story reflects how human beings are never satisfied. Mm-hmm. We can have everything mm-hmm. that we could possibly need, but we're never satisfied. Mm-hmm. We're always looking for something more than, than what God provides all of our needs. So that's, a, that's basically an, an original flaw of ours. I feel like that's a flaw because they were that way even before, you know, they sinned. So that was a, a flaw that that satisfaction was never going to be, you know, fulfilled. That's how I, I would see it. Because if they had everything and they had this amazing, you know, relationship with God and they had everything they needed, why did they still want more? So I feel like that's a, 
that's a flaw that's probably been, you know, in, made in us or instilled in us. I mean, don't you see that? I mean, in your experience, Janine and Mike, do you see that played out over and over again where, where people have everything that they need, but yet they still are never satisfied? Oh, yeah. And yeah. some people will even, even do stupid things and jeopardize losing everything they have Correct. just to, to get more. And that's the thing that's also like a foolish thing to do. It's like you have so much, but you're going to do like criminal acts or something like that. Or like infidelity will say right. that you have a great family and you're you know, coming home and your spouse is there, your kids are there, and then you want something else and then you lose everything because right. of that, you know, one selfish thing. So, but I, it, it seems like it's a, it's a flaw. Like it was a flaw that was put in our, <laughs> in our system, I guess, or something. Which again, where we plan to fail. The, and that's the thing. So where we made, you know, with flaws already, and maybe we, the whole thing of, you know, being made, you know, flawless or, you know, perfect or something was never the fact. And then that's the reason why the sin happened because we were made incorrect. <laughs> he should have went back to the board. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the, the first story says that, you know, through each of the things that God created, God said, this is good. Mm -hmm. And then when God created human beings, God said, this is, very good. Um, God did not say this is perfect. Mm -hmm. God said this is very good. And I think when we lose sight of of that beauty within ourselves, that's when we gravitate towards those things that we think will satisfy that hole in our in our heart or soul or however you want to describe that. So, with that being said, though, real quick. Do you think that God you just never, wasn't... You never, you never, real quick. <laughs> real you don't ever real quick me. <laughs> so do you think that God maybe just was kind of slacking? Like oh, if God. it was just good, because I remember growing up, I was always taught that you should strive for excellence. Mm -hmm. And if he wasn't striving for excellence and he was just like, this is good, I'll just, I'll leave this right here. Do you think he would just not go into his full potential? So you're assuming that human beings are not made excellently. Is that, um, is that your argument? Then? No, my argument is that God was slacking when he made everything because it was just good. It was just very good. It wasn't excellent. This is, you know, like, why didn't he go like, you know what? This is excellent. I made the best human ever. And I'm going to spread this well, human the text everywhere. Says made very good that that human beings were made um, that that in that humans are, are more than everything else. But they are very good compared to everything else being good. Now, you know, it's about terminology. It's about interpretation of the Hebrew language about, you know, good or very good. I mean, it's, you know, the description of human beings is that it's superlative to everything else that God has made. And that that's what I think this story teaches us is that we have to see ourselves as something more that as something very beautiful because we live in a world that every day tries to bring us down. I mean, tries to make us like everybody else. And, and the story teaches us that we are all unique and, and made beautifully. And, and when we lose sight of that, that's when we gravitate towards things that are not good for us. So how do people try to restore or get back to, to, you know, getting rid of because it seems like we're in a world now the way it was like with a million serpents constantly mm -hmm. you know trying to tempt people and you know make them curious about things so how do people get back to 
to, I guess, finding their, you know, balancing themselves or getting their relationship with God back? How do people do that? How would you ask for that? I don't know, actually, because I feel like there's a lot of. I think people have so many distractions. You have materialistic things. You have your ego. You have um, fear. You have misinformation. You have. um, I think people have just been directed by the wrong people throughout a long time. And so I don't think it's something that it has to be more on a individual thing. I don't think that people can just be like, okay, we're all going to come together and we're all going to think the same way. Cause I feel like even in that someone's not going to fully get what the message is and what the purpose is. <laughs> wouldn't you, wouldn't you argue though? I mean, wouldn't you say that the types of people that we surround ourselves with, um, lead us either in a, in a good way or, or destructive way? I can see that. I can see that. But I think there are also a lot of people that pretend. I think there are a lot of people that, talk a good talk and so you may think that that person thinks the same way or feels the same way but they they're inside they're not their intentions aren't really the same and I feel like when you're around people that are like that that can also hinder you and you don't even realize it and that's why I feel like it has to be an individual thing I don't think it can just be you can go to people and talk to them but I think there are a lot of people that are just pretending so like that's been a kind of a common occurrence maybe in your life that that's people that you thought were one way mm-hmm. turn out to be something different than I that. Think, I think that's a common occurrence in a lot of people's lives. And I think that I, I have just been lucky enough to pick up on it and to see it a lot more. So it's been something that I can pick up on. Whereas I think a lot of people, they just don't realize that they're probably, you know, associated with people who say one thing and they can speak a really good game, but they're not I, really... So- with what you're saying, mm-hmm. I think I think the biggest issue in you, the reason or the way to bring people together, even if it's not like to bring people to God, but just to bring people together mm-hmm. as a whole is about honesty. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where we don't have it because you're talking about like people who are trying to like have different views and something like that. And you're saying that you're bringing people together mm-hmm. that, you know, that, are they going to bring you up or tear you down? I think that's going to be an individual thing mm-hmm. because we've had experiences because of my lack of faith or whatever that people think I'm going to bring them down and I'm going to tear their beliefs up, even though we can have good friendship, a good relation and like, like just normal relationship. But because I don't have Christian beliefs that nope, I'm an evil person and I'm going to bring that person down, but I'm honest. I'm, I'm like completely honest with my feelings. I'm not trying to trick people into saying, I'm a godly person and then come to find out later that I'm not, I was just lying to you. And I think there's a lot of people who are religious that want to be a part of a community so bad that they're willing to lie about their own beliefs, whether it is, you know, a certain way of religion or not, because every religion is different. So they see it differently. So they may just follow along and then it becomes more detrimental to them because they're lying. But if they're, if everyone is honest and just talk and everything, even if it makes it you can bring them yeah, together and then people yeah. just be like, okay, you have a different value, but I can accept your honesty and we can be friends, acquaintances, whatever. How can you be honest and not be mean? I, I, I mean, because I, I asked that mm-hmm. because of, um, there are, I feel like I'm in sometimes in conversations with people where, where honesty can lead to separation. Um, but then I also think about conversations where honesty leads to greater depth in relationship. Um, 
and 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 what's the difference in that um what's the kind of honesty that leads people apart from each other and what's the kind of honesty that leads people closer together do you think my honesty about religion has made me mean to you no it has not made me think that you're being mean to me um I, I, I guess I would, I would ask that what is our purpose in being honest with other people? Is it to try to, to harm them in some way? You know, I don't, I'm I don't going think it's to, about being harmful at all. I think, I think lying, sometimes it is. I think sometimes people think that they're being honest when in, well, I think the, they're being hurtful. I think the adage of the truth hurts is, is very factual. But I think that's something in someone that they take it amongst themselves to make it hurt them instead of just being like, you know what, that they were truthful to me and that's the way they see it. And it kind of hurt. But you know what? I'm going to change like my thought on that. That could be hurtful because I think that's what it is, because like if you. All right, let me see. Just just being truthful to someone, I think will gain knowledge about those people and then you can either appreciate it or decide that not that you don't want to talk to those people but you can make a decision but if you lie to someone and not be honest with them i think that's more harmful and more mean i completely agree on that than just being honest and mm-hmm. trying to come together as a whole i completely agree on that and i think um, that's some of what she I was saying sometimes that people yeah will lie to themselves and to others to try to be a part of something and yeah. then it just becomes way worse. And then when they're truly put to the test, then they, it's a disappointment when you realize that that's not how they truly are. But I think sometimes in being truthful, you have to go through that kind of like mean, or not even really mean, just kind of like an uncomfortable feeling. So I'll just say, for example, I remember growing up my, so my grandmother was born in Haiti and my mom was more, she was born in Haiti also, but she was more Americanized. So all of my, her sisters, they all were like with, um, except from one of my aunts, they were with Haitian men also. And so my dad is American and we speak English. My grandmother would speak Creole and everything to us. And growing up, sometimes I would feel like my grandmother would treat me and my brother different because we were more Americanized. And so one day I talked to her and, and I said, you know, it really bothers me because I feel like you're not accepting like that side. And, you know, because we're not as, you know, Haitian or whatever as, you know, and so it hurt her feelings. But I feel like after I had that conversation with her, we've, we like, we're closer than we've ever been. And I feel like mm-hmm. I can go to her and I can talk to her about anything. I can be as honest as possible. Cause I know that now I've broke that thing that, you know, it, it was something that, threw her off guard, but it was something where she felt happy that I came to her and said, okay, this is how you feel. It hurt my feelings, but now I understand. I'll take note to that. And so that built that relationship. So I feel like a lot of people, if you're going to have your guards up and you're like, oh, it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt me. You're not truly listening to somebody. And I feel like that's going to be more detrimental than anything. Well, one thing what you're saying and probably about the thing being mean, like listening to her talk. I think it's like the difference of being honest with someone and it hurt you and, and then saying something intentionally mean. Yeah. Whether that be honest, mm-hmm. just to say it in jest, yeah. you know, cause we can all be mean with our words. Oh yeah. Like you can really be, I I've met people that it's probably how they can you say, say something and it's like, wow, that hurt more than, you know, if you like stab me or something. So I think it is how you say it. And also if you're trying to get to a better place, 
Like I wasn't saying this stuff to my grandmother to make her feel horrible. It was because I want to have a relationship with her. I want to have that honesty and that vulnerableness with her. And I felt like if I had something where I felt like I was being judged or there was a, there was a, a, a issue in between us, some kind of tension, then I couldn't be that vulnerable and be that comfortableness. So I think you have to have that conversation, but I think a lot of people just don't really want to go that way because they want to say it's mean or whatever. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where being honest with, with our purpose and, mm-hmm. and what we're coming from. And, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I've, I've, I, I think I'm learning, um, you know, because one of the criticism, criticisms I've had in, in, directed towards me in the past is that people didn't people said to me they didn't know where I was coming from mm-hmm. you know why did you say that why why are you doing that or whatever and and so what I'm what I'm learning to try to do better at is to say okay um you know um you know for instance uh, um Janine and Mike you know we all agree that we want to make this the best podcast possible um so therefore um um um, when, when this was said, um, this is how I reacted to that. And, and I want to, I want to air that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have anything yeah. in my mind <laughs> I was just using as an example. Um, because, because you want to help people have a common purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and whereas if I come out and say, um, uh, Janine, you really pissed me off. <laughs> You're going to get very defensive mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, let's try to find, you know, common purpose to, mm-hmm. to, to move forward and, you know. So another thing you, I'm going to switch, really switch. Okay. There was something that you were talking about, I believe last weekend um, about the rapture and about people talking about that. Do you think that people that are, talking about that are holding on to like false hope that something is gonna save them from things that are going on in the world right now because some people think that the rapture is it's gonna start and they're just gonna go up to heaven and not have to deal with all of the humanly earthly kind of stuff do you think that people are holding on to that as like false hope i mean the way you describe it i i wonder if if you know it's a it's a sense of if if I believe that the rapture is imminent, then that takes away any responsibility for me to to work to create a better world today. Mm-hmm. You know that people get fearful, and so they respond to that fear by saying, "Oh gosh, everything is falling apart. Um, God's coming any day now, and so I don't have any responsibility to to fix what's broken around me." How would you respond to that? I mean, I think that's, I feel like it's a false hope. I feel, I I think that, but I I think my concern is that people are going to, people have a vision of what the rapture is to them. And I would have to say, based on what I've been hearing from some people that, and this is all questions that people have come up from watching. Okay. Tell me a real conversation. Yeah. (laughs) So like my, my concern about it is they have this vision that they're just going to be taken up to the heaven and that's it. But I, I, my question to them, and of course they are like, Nope, that's not what it's going to happen is what if the rapture is not what you make it or what, what you believe in your head? What if it's completely different? Mm-hmm. Because they're, they believe that when it happens that they're just going to zap up to heaven <laughs> and 
then everything's going to be good and everyone else on the people like you are going to get left back. Yeah. Uh, Yep. I'm going to get left back and then destroyed (laughs) by whatever left behind. Mm -hmm. But what if, what if it's a war? What if like before you have to go up, suddenly armor is placed upon your body and you have to fight for heaven before you can go up. But like, like the, the answer is always, nope, I'm going to get taken up in, in heavenly robes. And that's what it is. It's it's very strange. You know, I don't... It's not something I think about, honestly. Now, there's some people, it consumes them all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't spend much time preaching on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's a, a topic that... And, and again... You know the the images that people and 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 there's this pre millennial post millennial um, where where there's a thousand years of tribulation and so folks who were describe themselves as pre millennialists um, feel like they are taken out before all this thousand years of 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 anguish whereas post millennialists say that there's a thousand years of 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 um, wars and then and then the believers are taken up um you know these come out of the book of revelation and apocalypse what's called apocalyptic literature um which also includes books in the old testament like daniel and and so you know these were books that were written during uh, periods of great persecution of christians and under persecution i mean romans was written during the persecution of 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 Nero and and um, Roman occupation and so you know they're in the midst of of all the the um, torture that they're experiencing because of their faith they're given a hope of a future of of overcoming that and so that that's what those stories are about to me it's about God's hope that God always in the that God wins in the end. And and that's, that's what I take away from the book of revelation and apocalyptic literature. I don't get wrapped up in, Oh, you know, I don't get taken up before, or is God coming because it's been a thousand years since whatever date Mm -hmm. somebody wants to connect it to. I mean, I can understand that. And I think that, that, that goes to the whole point of people becoming obsessed with the end and not really focusing on the now and not like, how about instead of like talking about this is what's going to happen. So I don't really care. You know, this is, I'm going to get, you know, pulled up, maybe use the time now to better yourself, better other people to, you know, enjoy life right now and not just focus on this is what's going to happen and the gloom and doom and all that stuff. And I feel like if you start building up your, your soul and your spirit now work on those things and trying to like, touch people and and make them a better person so that you can you know regardless of what happens right now is where you are and that's where you need to try to better and not worry about what's going to happen because we don't know if that's gonna right now is real i think that's a wonderful (laughs) philosophy janine yeah and you know more folks need to follow that yeah more questions you have a wise wife michael <laughs> I know. have you always known this oh yeah absolutely. okay okay she when reminds she, you of that all the time when she said she was going to marry me i knew she was wise <laughs> yes that was the proof of her wisdom that, that right was there. that was when god needed to go back to the board <laughs> but no um i think that was that was 
it as far as like the whole Adam and Eve thing. Cause I think it was a lot of just trying to figure out, did God always think that, you know, we were going to fail. And like I said, and then I felt that the, like I said, the tree of knowledge was there, but just like a child, there are times when you or like, as you grow up, there are times when you need to be introduced to something. And I feel like Adam and Eve were still like in their infancy stage. And that tree just wasn't, it's possible that at some point God would have helped them get to that point where they could have handled all of that. Because, you know, it seemed like when they got that knowledge, it made them scared. It made them embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So they weren't ready for it. And I feel like that's, you know, I do feel like. So like a child, mm -hmm. that temptation should have been removed. No. (laughs) I say this. No. uh As a parent, (laughs) I tell my children, this is a path. If you choose to follow, it will lead to destruction. So that's my experience. Did you leave the handle of the hot water on the stove towards towards the end or did you put that temptation away and push it to the back so they did not want to grab that handle i mean you don't intentionally do something that that will harm a child i think there are those kind of people out there there, are yes there are parents (laughs) who will do that but if you know like if you was working was you cooking on the stove and then you saw it and you're like well i've told them not to touch it so they shouldn't touch it but you leave it there. But but hold on. But you said you told them not to touch it. Right. You told them not to touch it, but it's still a like like mm-hmm. a temptation. Kids are tempted mm-hmm. to do stuff all the time. Well, and 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 when my kids have chosen to do that, I mean it's natural consequences mm-hmm. when they burn their hands like, "See, I told you." But see, but wouldn't the situation be different if it was Adam and Eve just by themselves and they said, "I think we can go eat some of that fruit." But there was someone else that came in that they've never, they never had that interaction where they had to figure out yes or no. That's like if you had, if you told your children something and then they had that one friend that was horrible. Everyone, every, every kid had that that friend. friend. Yeah. (laughs) And that kid was like, you should do that. So that, I think that scenario is different. It's not like your child was like, I'm going to, so they didn't really make that decision on their own. It was, there was a, there was a, you know, another person there. Again, so the temptation was brought there because the God had made the serpent. And if the serpent was the temptation, even if to say, you can go ahead and eat that fruit, God won't kill you. Which, by the way, if you said the serpent was telling the truth, <laughs> does that mean that God was telling a lie saying that he was going to kill them? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but still, but like if the serpent was temptation... He then, killed then their way why, of life. Why did he? <laughs> That's what he Why killed. did he allow that temptation to still go in there? So again, like a child, you would have tried to take those away. You can still inform them, be like, "This could hurt you," but just on the side of caution, I'm going to push this back so you don't have that temptation. Well, you you allow your children to experience the small burns to mm-hmm. prevent them from mm-hmm. having the large burns. I told you, if you touch that, <laughs> you he will is, get burned. Like, so now that you have been on burned on that small way, maybe <laughs> you will figure out, maybe don't do that temptation in the future because I will get burned bigger in the future. But what if your first burn is the big burn? Well, I mean, that's whereas responsibilities as parents, mm-hmm. you try to teach them doing the small burns so that they then are equipped to stay away from the big burns. So with that said, <laughs> the tree of knowledge and eating the fruit was a big burn. 
Yeah, there was no little burns for them to learn from. There was you no little on that. little things but, to put like a little like thing in an outlet or something like that to get a little shock. Like there was nothing. They had free reign to everything except for the one big burn that they got burned on, and they, and they <laughs> blew it. And they blew it. And but again, I don't look at it back to as a historical story. I look to it as a story which tells right. my life and the and the world's life today. And I'm not talking in historical. I'm talking in in terms of like lessons. Mm-hmm. Like this was a lesson, but it was like the biggest lesson of all. It was. And they failed. They, with, they did with temptation. They failed. They did. That was given to them. They did. So that's why I'm saying, like, as a parent, would you just be like, I'm going to put this temptation away from them, at least until when they get older and they know better? There's always temptation. I can't. I you can't. can't you can't always can't, protect your children. No, you can't. You can't but, protect them from the temptations that are out there. You have to give them the tools to to um, to be able to to hopefully stand down against those temptations. So again, why only one temptation to make every other temptation? Like that is the one. It's not. It's a sim- it's symbolic given- of all temptation. It's not just one. It's symbolic of all the, the temptations we face. That's what I'm saying. Because we play one. that story out over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. At least I do. Maybe you don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you're, you're perfect. Isn't that right, Janine? Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I was uh, I was made perfect by my creators, my mom and my dad. <laughs> We're gonna go to his parents on that and make sure we can confirm that. All right. So we'll end on that yeah. one. <clears throat> oh, all right, man. everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> and if you didn't, please send all emails to Sam. Keep uh, those questions coming. Yeah. <laughs> but um, again, we hope you enjoyed it. We want you to have conversations with others and with us. Definitely send us your questions, your comments. If you enjoy us, even if you don't enjoy it, be honest with us. We want to know that you're not enjoying it. I'm not going to be hurt and I won't think that you're a mean person, but (laughs) just be honest. And I think that's what we need to do all the time. Uh So I guess with that being honest, you know, even if it does hurt, have a, a purpose that you're trying to rebuild or you're trying to get to a good place though. Even if there's lessons. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anything else, Sam? That is <laughs> that is it. <laughs> All right, guys. So we'll talk to you later. All, All right. right. Thanks, Bye. everybody. <laughs>